Well, welcome to tonight's Ingles on the Beach show. Very pleased to be joined with our West Coast guest. If we're talking West Coast football, we're talking USC. Got to get Clay Helton on the screen. Clay, I really appreciate you joining us uh, to talk about the Trojans, talk about some Southern Cal quarterbacks. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate you having me today. No doubt. Now, see, I didn't know this. I got I to gotta reintroduce Clay Helton. We all know him as the USC head coach. He's going into his seventh year with the Trojans. You believe that? It's really gone by fast. Of course, his brother, SEC folks, know he was with Jeremy Pruitt for a year at Tennessee. Now he's the head coach at Western Kentucky. His father, Kim Helton, a well-known college football and NFL figure, he's still going at it, is an analyst. I guess, uh, I guess uh, Tyson won the bidding for dad there. Um, but one thing I didn't realize about you, Coach, you played for legendary Georgia football player and Auburn coach Pat Dye for a couple of years. There. Tell us that story, how you ended up at Auburn in the first two years of your collegiate career. Yeah, so, so fortunate to have the opportunity to, to be at Auburn and be with the Auburn family and, and especially Coach Dye. I mean, he was like a second father to me, uh, just a special person in my life uh, at the time. Uh, not only for for myself, but my wife, who also uh, followed me from Texas to 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 go to Auburn, and just had a, a wonderful experience, uh, absolutely wonderful experience there. Uh, have some special memories, some special friends, and relationships that still that still go on today uh, with that Auburn family. No doubt. Now, uh, Clay was born in Gainesville. I know folks in Jane, Georgia won't hold that against him or anything. He did play his high school football in Texas. One more thing about Auburn, though. You were a teammate of one of Georgia's top recruiters, running backs coach, Del McGee. What, what was the old Del like? I know you, he started out as a running back. I think he played a little DB. What do you recall of that Del McGee version? Well, one, extremely talented, a lot better player than me, I can promise you, uh, but also a great person and, and so happy uh, for his success uh, and what he's doing. It's been neat to follow his career and uh, just an exceptional person. Uh, he's somebody that uh, I thought represented our football team, great teammate and, and great person and, and uh, is good for college football. You know, it's interesting. I saw your dad was hired as the Houston Cougars head coach. That's when you went there. You mm -hmm. transferred. Back then, mm -hmm. that was kind of the exception, not the rule. Uh, give us a background on your transfer yeah. and then tell us about just kind of your thoughts now because transferring quarterbacks, as you were, this is like, that's like the thing now, right? Yeah, well, it, you know, it, in my time, it, it was a little bit different uh, story uh, as far as I, I loved Auburn. Uh, my, my wife loved Auburn. Uh, but my dad had just come out of the NFL and uh, from the Miami Dolphins had, had had an extended NFL career and came back as the head coach of the University of Houston. Uh, they were on limited scholarships uh, on the time. I think they were in the 40s, if you could believe that, uh, as far as scholarship numbers. And, and uh, Auburn was in a particular time where Coach Dye had just retired. Uh, just retired, and they they were making a, a change. And man, there were some great quarterbacks uh, on that team uh, at at that, at that time. Uh, Stan White, who, who's a legend there, as well as others, uh, uh, Damian Craig. So that, uh, uh, Pat was there. Patrick Nix was there, um, and, and so there was a lot of good quarterbacks. And I've never told my dad no in my entire life. He said, "Son, I, I need some help." Uh, it was my last year, and, and you know, in the transition of coaching Die leaving and my dad, you know, kind of needing me uh, and, and needing us and to be able to help out. Um, it, it was something that it was it was bittersweet because uh, 
we I loved Auburn, uh, but I also love my family, and uh, I've kind of always been faith, family, and football. And uh, when dad dad needs some help, uh, you're you're going to go help. And so I got the opportunity to go to Houston, have a wonderful experience with my dad. I wouldn't trade it for the world, to be honest with you. He's my hero, my mentor, and some of the fondest memories I've had is to be able to play for him for a year. No doubt, certainly well respected man in the football world, Clay. You know, I wonder if that experience that you had, having gone from one school to another, and I know nobody wants to turn into, you know, nobody wants the new one one time transfer to turn into complete free agency. There is some merit to it, but I, I wonder if that gives you some some background and some knowledge when you when you deal with this and when you talk with kids and and just kind of your general thoughts on where this new rule is going and where these transfers are going, because it's still early. We haven't really seen the unintended consequences of this pop up quite yet. Yeah, you, you know, I think it is going to be a different realm, and we're all trying to navigate it uh, as coaches and, and, you know, have gone through the process. Uh, I, I know that every story is different, and uh, one of the most important things we do as coaches is listen you know, be able to sit down with a kid and his family. Uh, we all got into this business to, to help young men out and, and to create great college experiences for those kids. Um, and, you know, some of those that you go, man, I think this is a better opportunity, uh, a better opportunity at our, at our place. I think it's a better opportunity at our place. Um, uh, or there may be some guys that, you know what, they, they, they got the opportunity. They, they they have a degree in hand. They've got one year left, and they and they're looking for a bigger role or big, bigger experience. And you know, at that point in time, it's hard to hold it against a young man. You know, so every story is different. I think it's really important for us as coaches to be able to sit down, uh, listen to to the kid, to the family, uh, and at the end of the day, do what we feel is best and they feel is best for them. You know, moving forward to get that great college experience that they want. Obviously, it's a new territory for all of us. There's a lot of discussions I know will be going on in the future, and we'll all learn from it. And we'll all, you know, college football, uh, we've had to adapt several, several times in many different areas in my 26 years of doing college football. So this is the next one, and we'll all adapt and learn and be able to do at the end of the day what's best for kids. That's that's the most important thing. No doubt. Now, you played your high school football there in Sugarland, Texas. We talked about your background in the South. You've been out here at USC, I think, 2010, 11. You were there with Lane when, when he was the head coach and then Sark. And, and then you took over as interim coach. I know that you won one of the awards that we present with the Football Writers Association. You were the best first-year coach in, in college football. Uh, haven't seen college – or excuse me, haven't seen high school prospects in all these different areas – I guess the thing I got to ask you, just having spent a few days out here in, in Southern California, I'd be in your office, but we still have the distancing thing going. But uh, I'm, I'm just amazed by the amount of talent. You go down the list of guys, and obviously you've got Keaton, but you know guys like Matt Carell's out here from out here and JT Daniels and Bryce Young. And I mean, everywhere you turn, modern day, St. John Bosco, uh, how do you explain all these quarterbacks that are in this Southern California area? Yeah, I was fascinated. Like when I first came out here uh, 12 years ago, to be honest with you, I came to USC and and was a quarterback coach at the time, became offensive coordinator. And you were looking at these quarterbacks going, unbelievable how talented they are. Uh, and I think one of them, you know, it, it's all about experience and at reps. And, and one of the great things, as you probably have seen being in Southern California, uh, has been the weather. 
you know, yeah. it, 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 it is, it is picture perfect for, for pitchers and catchers. So quarterbacks and receivers, uh, you look at those two positions and, and you look at this Southern California area and go, Oh my gosh, it's year round. You're able to work your craft and master your craft. And there's so many things that I think the, the progression of the quarterback over the last, you know, especially decade uh, from seven on seven camps to elite 11 camps to rivals camps, to, you know, just uh, all the opportunities that, that kids are given now to be able to work their craft. Uh, it was a lot more than when I was growing up. Uh, and, and so now they, these opportunities to be train your craft year round, um, I think have made better quarterbacks. And you look at the, what has happened out here on the West Coast, you know, we've had the great luxury of kind of our, our footprint with that quarterback position has been right here. We haven't had to go too far. And we're fortunate geographically. It is an extremely strong area. Um, you know, on the West Coast to be able to capture really quality quarterbacks. Yeah, and USC was such a great quarterback tradition, and the Trojans usually get their pick of the litter, so to speak. Uh, players want to stay in state, and as, as Coach was saying, and as I can attest, the weather is incredible, and, uh, you know, this Los Angeles area has a great deal of things to offer. Coach, I want to ask you a little bit about JT Daniels. Uh, mm -hmm. JT is a guy, talking with people out here, they say, Hey, this kid was on the map early now. He wasn't a surprise. I guess I would ask you, uh, when did he pop up on your radar? Because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of guys on the Southern Cal quarterback radar, but when did you uh, take note of JT in your backyard? I, I think the actual first time was when he was in the seventh grade. Uh, you, you know, it, it, everybody has their institutional summer camps, and 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 JT was one that would always come to camp. And, and even as a seventh grader, you were like, wow. This, this kid's special. Uh, he's, he's different. He, he's got a football mind. Uh, he's got a great work ethic, blue collar mentality, and obviously uh, a unique, a unique talent. And to watch him grow up, to have, watch him have just an amazing high school career uh, and, and now having a great college career. So excited for him. So excited for the Daniels family, who is great. And, you know, Georgia has a, a wonderful person and a wonderful player that's got a really, really bright future. Yeah, you know, JT uh, was a guy that was only, I believe, the second ever true freshman to start at USC as a quarterback and, and kind of reclassified to do it at that, didn't go through his senior year. That was something a little different, Coach, and yet, you know, you did have so much confidence and faith in JT, even without the spring you know, he was able to line up in that, in that start, in that first game as the starter. What were the things that you saw uh, that let, let you know that JT was ready to handle uh, that assignment? Yeah, no question. He, you know, one, having watched him grow up, know his football mindset, extremely intelligent, both uh, both on the field and off, and, and being able to reclassify, being able to graduate early was a credit to him and all the work that he did. Uh, but you're looking at a kid that was supposed to be in his senior year of high school, and he's starting for us and we did we had a lot of faith in him and we've always said that it's the best player plays at USC where we're, we are about competition here doesn't matter where you're from doesn't matter how old you are the best best man plays and at that time he was our best quarterback and so you know to be able to walk out there as a freshman uh, a true freshman that should be in his senior year of high school we knew there'd be some growing pains but we knew he would grow from it because everything that we had saw is if he made a mistake you would, you would coach him on it and wouldn't happen again. 
And so um, this kid just grew day in and day out. And through that first through that first year, you just saw him getting better and better and better. And then, you know, having the opportunity to watch him go through a spring and, and a spring camp and a fall camp being ready for that second season was so exciting. You know, because you could just see the steps that he had made, and unfortunately, you know, we had a knee injury in the in the first game, uh, and which which held him back. You know, and so he, we we've known his future has been bright since a long, long time ago. Uh, about about the eighth ninth grade, you were like, "Wow, this, this guy's going to be one of the best in the country," and uh, he's proven it right now. Yeah, and you know, you stood behind him. You know, it, it was a tougher year. There were some great mm -hmm. games. I knew he threw for over 300 against mm -hmm. Texas and Notre Dame. I mean, USC uh, not backing away on that schedule, man. That is a tough schedule that you guys play. And 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 some good things happen. When, when a guy like JT comes in, as you said, with that mental aptitude, mm -hmm. what what is the sort of growing that as much as he accomplished in college and as good as his football IQ was, what are some of the things that he gained from that first year? And then with Coach Harrell in the spring going into that second season? Yeah, you, you know, the thing that I, I really thought that he, he grew on was his anticip anticipatory skills uh, of, of getting the ball out quick. So he always had a quick release, but really uh, I thought began to diagnose the speed, the difference of the speed of the game from high school to college and how quickly the windows close. Uh, and there, as he progressed through that season, you could see him anticipate windows, start throwing kids open rather than seeing them open and then pulling the trigger. And he grew in that aspect. You know, he went to a great school at modern day with Bruce Robinson and that had several great players uh, on that team. He was throwing to the likes of Amon Ross St. Brown and Brew McCoy's and things like that. And kids that really could get wide open in high school. And now, you know, when you take that next step, you realize, wow, everybody's good. Uh, those windows are a lot tighter. What was open in high school is now th about that far open. And it's all about decision-making, timing, and accuracy. And I thought that where he grew the most, he's always made great decisions. Uh, it's super intelligence, like having a coach on the field. He was always deadly accurate, especially deep ball accuracy, as, you, as you've seen in Georgia. I thought he progressed in the speed of his decision-making and timing. And, and that's probably the biggest thing for a high school quarterbacks going from high school to college is just recognizing, wow, those windows close quick and I got to be able to pull the trigger. And I, I can promise you this, he's not scared to pull the trigger. That's the big sure. Yeah, I think we found that out at Georgia in that first game, <laughs> four touchdowns and 400 <laughs> yards in his debut for Georgia. You know, Coach, you talk about on the on-the-field things. And earlier <laughs> in this interview, you talked about during the transfer what's best for the player. <laughs> and one of the things that happened for JT and happened at Southern Cal was after the injury, uh, Keaton Slovis came in. Keaton's a guy that won our Football Writers Most Courageous <laughs> Award. He had battled through some adversity his freshman year. But when JT went down, Keaton stepped up and, and JT was right there. These mm -hmm. guys still communicate. I mean, JT's moved mm -hmm. on. He's somewhere else. Keaton's mm -hmm. now leading the Trojans. He's a projected top 10 draft pick, one of the Heisman Trophy guys. What were the dynamics like to see JT and Keaton working together through that adversity after JT went down in the opener? Yeah, you know, what I appreciated about both kids is both of them know their pros, uh, that they'll both be throwing the ball on Sunday. Uh, and there was this not only professionalism, but camaraderie between the two. They cheered for each other. They rooted for each other. They leaned on each other. They talked ball. Uh, they wanted to improve uh, together. And I really, you know, obviously – 
when you're at USC or, or any elite place, uh, you know, there's competition that's going to happen and you understand that, but there's also a great level of being a great teammate camaraderie and respect for each other. And that's what those two kids had. You know, they knew that while these are two of the most special players in college football at that, uh, at the position uh, and on the same team, <laughs> nonetheless. So, uh, you know, walking into the, into JT second year with, with JT being this, Carter and Keaton being the backup, you know, it's like Walt Disney World of coaching. You know, it's like, what did we do right? It's Christmas at the quarterback position. So, um, you know, it's we've always had a great opportunity to sign elite quarterbacks here and special quarterbacks. And and Keaton and JT are that. But like I said, both of them are great people and, and always appreciated the respect they had for one another. And certainly we've seen some quarterbacks dramas play out all over the country. You know, coach, at one point, I think three straight Heisman Trophy winners were quarterback transfers. Like that's become, you know, the, the thing. And yet I, I look at when JT left USC talking with his parents, they were talking with you, you know, hey, where, where, where should he go? First of all, how tough was it to hear? You did, you mentioned the Disneyland of, maybe you said the Disney World, the Disneyland of quarterbacks. I know you're sitting there with two, with a couple of four stars behind Keaton right now. USC still not hurting your quarterback room. Looks incredible. But how did you manage that when you heard the news that, hey, he's going in the portal? What goes through a head coach's mind? And then as far as watching him go through the process, what is your role at that point? And how do you stay so supportive? Yeah, definitely. Well, well one, they're family. Uh, you know, when you sign a young man and bring him in your football family, you treat him like family. And, you know, you sit down and, and you listen to what they want and, and what's on their mind. Uh, and in JT's case, extreme honesty uh, that he gave and, and said, you know, coach, I, I've got the opportunity. I think I want the opportunity to at least, you know, visit with other folks. I'm going into my third season now. It's a very important season for me. Um, and I want at least to see what's out there. And, you know, it's, it was a special situation coming off a, a, a season with Keaton Slovis that uh, had a dynamic season. Uh, obviously, those two kids would have competed uh, in the fall uh, for, for the job. Um, but I didn't hold it against JT or his family that he wanted to explore. What else is out there? And what's the best opportunity for him? You know, and so I, we were right there with, with the Daniels family all the way through. Uh, we would, they would bounce ideas off of me. Uh, Coach, what do you think of this, this system or opportunity or fit? Um, and at the end of the day, they found a place that they, they felt as far as the timing and the need uh, at Georgia and the system at Georgia and the fit for, for JT was a good one. And so, you know, the only recommendation I had was, you know, that we, we had left the door open. Uh, at USC, uh, wanted him on a football team. Always, you want always want good people and good players on your team. But when he said, "Coach, I think I'm going to make this move," um, I said, "Well, one of the things, JT, make sure when you make that decision, have no regrets, hit it full speed, uh, and don't look back." And and uh, I know I know knew he was going to do that. And wow, uh, what a great job he's done! Not only competing at Georgia, winning the job, uh, but now really producing uh, for his team. Yeah, I didn't know if you'd had a background with Kirby Smart or Todd Munkin, but it did seem to be the right fit for JT. There were obviously a lot of programs. Was there when you look at and, and I know you don't study Georgia; they're not on your schedule. You might see him in the college football playoff, but. When you see JT in a system like that and a, a pro style spread with some air raid concepts, 
Uh, it's somewhat similar to what Coach Harrell's doing out there as far as the gunslinging we're seeing. Yeah, the, the, the biggest recommendation I gave uh, the, the families is, especially at the quarterback position, it's all about system. It's all about opportunities and it's about fit, especially when you're going into your third year. You're not a rookie. Um, you, you know, you have to get in the right situation. Um, and, and you know, I'm a film junkie, so I watch all offenses, especially good ones. <laughs> like George's done a very nice job. So to, to be able to see their system as well as others uh, and, and say, hey, just make make sure you're a fit for that system, which definitely he was in that system for Georgia. Make sure you got the opportunity to compete. Everybody's got quarterbacks. You know, you're not going to compete for share. You know, there's going to be quarterbacks there. Make sure you all you want is the opportunity to compete uh, and, and put yourself in a good situation. Uh, have the opportunity to play with other good players, which Georgia at the time uh, really had some good, good receivers around him, just like we have here. And then, you know, is the fit good? You know, do, do you fit with the head coach? Do you fit with the coordinator? Do you fit with the play caller, your position coach? Uh, and that came together. You know, that came together for JT. It couldn't be happier for him. Um, I look forward to him not only, uh, not only having a great year this year, uh, but also uh, I know he's going to be playing on Sundays one day. He's got a long career ahead of him. Got to do a heat check on USC. You guys are on the national map. You're going to be in contention this year. Mm -hmm. Five and one last year, three great come from behind wins. I know it was a tough loss to Oregon at the end, but it was a COVID year amid those circumstances with no spring ball. That's a pretty good football season for anybody. I, from what I'm talking to my buddy, Ryan Young, he tells me, hey, man, these guys are going to be good again. Coach Helton's got it going. What about this season? And before that, what about recruiting? Isn't this the first weekend where recruits can come in? And where is USC at as far as California, what you're going to be allowed to do and see some of these kids maybe? Yeah, definitely. Well, recruiting opens up in June. It, it, it is going to be, it's exciting for us all. Uh, I think as, as coaches, uh, as staff, as, as recruits, as players, you know, these guys have not been uh, on campus, uh, you know, for, for uh, since March 15th of, of last year. Uh, and so it's been almost a, a year and three months since they've had the opportunity to come on campus. Um, there's a couple kids that, uh, you know, we signed from last class that they're getting ready to report this summer for a football team that I've never gotten to hug their neck, you know, so you get the opportunity to really get back into the realm of recruiting, uh, which is exciting and letting kids see, you know, not only your campus, but who you are, who's your football family, who's going to surround you with that support day in and day out and build relationships. And so it's an exciting time. June's going to be really, really busy, official visits, unofficial visits, camps across the country. Uh, it'll be daylight till dark for, for college coaches from that June 1st to June 27th. Really excited, Coach. And, and, you know, that San Jose State game, September 4th, right around the corner, will be here before you know it. Just want to thank you again for joining us. I'll tell you, it's unique. A lot of times when quarterbacks transfer away, you know, it, they're just done. And you don't hear the former coach say a whole lot about it. But the way that you've embraced the situation and supported your quarterback and supported your players, I think that's real good for college football. A tribute to you, Coach Helton. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the time. Let's take a moment now uh, to appreciate our sponsor, uh, Ingles. Uh, Ingles has done a lot for us. As I've said many times, they were there for us throughout this entire pandemic, still here for us today. Let's take a moment now to recognize uh, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for 
There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. But we stand together for worse and for better. We'll always have you back. Well, welcome back. Mike Griffith here. And uh, man, you know, Coach Helton was outstanding. You don't often, as I was saying to him, you don't often hear uh, coaches talk about the former players the way Clay Helton talked about JT Daniels. Uh, you know, I mean, and Kirby said some things about Justin Fields. He's always been supportive and said nice things, but can't thank Coach Helton enough for coming on here and kind of giving us the background as far as JT Daniels at Southern California, the quarterback scene. I, I mean, it just means a lot. Uh, when coaches take the time to explain things and are that transparent, you just don't see that enough, in my opinion. And I think fans have a lot to gain. I think it gives people a lot of perspective. And, you know, Clay Helton, an interesting guy, when you think about it, he played SEC football. He was a teammate uh, with Del McGee at Auburn before he transferred to play for his father. A lot of insight there, a lot of intrigue, a lot of interest. So it's going to be interesting. You know, Georgia football starting up this week, unofficially right these are voluntary workouts that we're going to see from the bulldogs and it's going to be really interesting uh, maybe if we can hear read the tea leaves hear things maybe see some posts on social media uh, how are some of the transfers fitting in how much did jt gain from his trip to california uh, these last couple of weeks, you know, the way that broke down, JT was out there uh, to work with Jordan Palmer, who's a renowned quarterback coach who works with NFL quarterbacks. And JT works with him every single year, going all the way back to his sixth or seventh grade year. It just so happened that JT had some vacation time too. And he said, hey, let's get some Georgia guys out here. And so they did. They were down at Newport Beach and, uh, you know, throwing a football around, I guess, having a good time, a little vacation, some bonding. You know, to me, the bonding, I think this is a bigger, I think this is a piece of the bigger part of the puzzle that we heard Kirby Smart talk about. You know, Kirby Smart talked a lot about these skull sessions, about these meetings. This was going to be Georgia getting closer as a team. Part of it's COVID-19. Part of it is because the kids had to distance and work out in these smaller pods. And you want to get that chemistry that you get when everybody works out together. So part of it, was to account for that. But part of it is these are tough times. And, and, and this is a time now when people need to be heard and, and players not being able to see their families as often during that COVID crisis, they kind of need to know each other, right? And, and get closer to the staff. So I, I know that's off the field stuff. That's not stuff that gets ranked in a preseason magazine, but I'm telling you, that's what separates championship teams. And Kirby Smart knows that. And JT Daniels knows that. One thing I learned my trip from California last week was about modern day where JT played, about John, St. John Bosco where DJ Uyunglele played uh, his high school football was how these programs are built. And it's not as different from college as you would think. These are football factories uh, out there in California we're talking about with 54 uh, FBS kids on the field when these teams meet. So uh, really interesting uh, you know, time in California for me, uh, again, I really appreciated Coach Elton. I would have preferred uh, to have been in his office, but California is still doing the social distancing, not doing the in-person interviews. So it was very cool that Coach Elton was willing to join me uh, on this Zoom call for our Ingles on the Beat show uh, that we bring you. You know, we try to get to you every single Monday night. 
Obviously, last week we had Coach uh, Bruce Rollinson, the head coach at Modern Day. Might want to check that out. He was really good with some JT insights. And, you know, we'll have even more stuff. I'll tell you, this. I'm going to cut the program short this week because Coach Helton was so dynamic. And we're all just kind of waiting now to see what's going to happen with these Georgia individuals. I think June 2nd report date, June 4th, first day on the field. Who knows? Kirby can change that. He's the head coach. But I think those are the dates I've heard. And I think we're all excited to hear what kind of news comes out from the recruiting weekend, right? I mean, Georgia able to have recruits in that $80 million football building. This is a big deal. This building has been two, three years in the works. And for Georgia to be able to show this off, a lot of momentum, a lot of momentum for Georgia football. I hope you enjoyed Coach Helton's presentation and our interviews. He talked about JT and Keaton Slovis, the fact these guys are still tight. I think that's cool. They still talk. Um, you know, that's what you want out of college football. It's a game and it's a lot of young people and you hope a lot of coaches and young people doing the right things. I got a real good uh, vibe off of that myself. So, uh, hey, for everybody here at Dog Nation, it's Mike Griffith. I hope everybody has a wonderful week and uh, we'll be talking to you, I'm sure, later on this week, maybe some cover four action.